0: heads-up. This week, Sebastian and John hulk out over tiny dudes, whisper screams, and bushy eyebrows. You wouldn't like them when they're angry on Here's Why It's Great.
1: For listening to "Here's Why It's Great," where we take what you hate and tell you why it's great. I am Sebastian Cabluchik, and I am John Bring, and my friends, family, listeners, we're in the end game now.
0: Oh, I see what you did. Oh
1: yeah, today is the day that we finally get to see the culmination of the what is now known as the Infinity Saga, mm-hmm. and we could not be more friggin' excited. I'm so excited, and
0: thank you good
1: friend for letting me
0: drink out of this avengers glass
1: i what other glass was was i going to give you i'm not going to give you a luke cage we're not watching netflix's luke cage i'm not going to give you a nightcrawler glass because lord knows nobody wants to see dark phoenix uh, I mean, I'll see Dark Phoenix. I mean, I'm going to see it. Am I going to love it? Probably not. But yeah, we're in the end game. We are preparing for tonight. Tonight, we're going to go see a preview screening of the movie. We are so stoked, so stoked, in fact, that we thought we would revisit an old favorite, or by favorite, I mean, <laughs> one of the most uh, hated Marvel movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We had a couple of choices. We threw around a couple of options. I said, uh, what about Iron Man 2? What about Thor of the Dark World? And you came back with... The Incredible Hulk.
0: Obviously. A, because I freaking love the character of the Incredible Hulk, and B, because I love the character of the Incredible
1: Hulk. Right, right. Two very good and different (laughs) reasons for liking it. And I immediately agreed. uh, This is the only movie in my preparation for Endgame. I've been going back and watching a selection of old Marvel movies, Mm -hmm. and I watched everything in Phase 1 except for this movie.
0: Where does phase one end? Is it with Avengers? With Avengers, yeah.
1: So phase one is the six movies. It's Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers. Okay. And since this was the one that I skipped, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to rewatch Iron Man 2, which... Nobody wants to rewatch Iron Man (laughs) 2. And uh, Thor 2, which I actually kind of like. I Uh. think Thor 2 is better than what most people give it credit for. It's not like the most amazing Marvel movie, but it's pretty damn enjoyable. We'll have to tackle that at some point then, because I only
0: saw it the one time in the theater, and I remember mainly just being a little bored. So I'd love to hear your,
1: your take on it. But not today. Not today, friends. We're in the Incredible Hulk territory. This one, obviously, is a movie that came second in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's hard to believe now that this is even part of the Marvel Universe. And I'm surprised that they still count it as one of them. Yeah. I mean, I guess they kind of have to because <laughs> it does set up a lot of stuff. But uh, this is one that people tend to just overlook.
0: Yeah, I think people want to not, like, like, deliberately overlook it. I mean, yeah, maybe because Marvel doesn't tout it and everything. They're they're like, eh. But I think also the changing of uh, Banner, you know, maybe yeah. is a big deal. And the Hulk looks completely different now. It's so, it sort of feels like... Hulk really showed up in the Avengers. It's
1: know? true. It's true. And and that's fine. Uh, there's only one quick reference to this movie in the Avengers where Bruce says that last time he was in New York, he kind of broke Harlem. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, yeah, funny. Yeah, it was fun. Uh,
0: there's also, I think, I can't remember if it's in Avengers. Whenever they're catching up, I think they actually show a couple things from this
1: movie. There are shots from this movie in Iron Man 2. I think in oh, some like backgrounds it. of some screens we see the cell phone footage that the kids shot on the college campus of Hulk going ape shit. Yeah. And then in the beginning of the Avengers when Tony's given the files on everybody, you see some footage of what might have been from this movie. I uh, feel that like that same that's, attack. That's what I was thinking of later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but obviously, yes, as you said, different actor playing all the parts, totally different look for the Hulk. It really does feel like very outside of your normal Marvel movie. Yeah, for sure. I guess let's just jump right in. We actually watched it. We didn't do our typical preamble style where we'd watch it. We have both seen this movie several times. I really enjoyed it in the theaters. I've watched it a couple of times since then. And, uh, the only reason I skipped it on this rewatch of all of the Marvel movies is because there's just so much to catch up on and it, it doesn't feel like a... A integral part of the Marvel machine so that's why I skipped it but I mean it's meant it, to be
0: we got to watch it today
1: I know and it feels like it really sets up a good amount of stuff yeah that we would later play out obviously the biggest part is the whole kid himself and Banner uh, but obviously also William Hurt's character yeah plays very heavily later
0: and Tony showing up at the end the credits scene of like we're putting a team together which I don't know if they completely paid off like Tony being the one that wrangles the Team together, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that that is sort of. Being set up in this movie,
1: yeah, it, it's funny because I feel like for that to totally make sense, you have to go watch the Marvel one shot, The Consultant, where it's colson and Stillwater, no, still Sitwell. Oh yeah, 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 the guy who ends up being a Hydra agent and uh, Winter Soldier. Spoiler alert! But it's the Is two he of, at the convenience store. Is yeah, the, uh, or at the gas station. They're at the gas station. They're like sitting and having coffee, and they're talking about the consultant talking about Stark. And actually, when he goes to Ross, I think he's actually talking about. Uh, getting Blonsky, a.k.a. the Abomination, on the mm. team and not the Hulk. Oh, okay. So, obviously... Interesting. That, like, right pre-Avengers mode where, like, in, at the end of Iron Man 2 where they say, like, we want Iron Man but not Tony Stark and then literally two movies later Tony is part of the Avengers, <laughs> it sure. doesn't quite make sense. But that was, those were the early days. Yeah. They had not been... They're they had not been the kinks. Exactly. They hadn't become the well-oiled machine they are today that we know and love. And, obviously, Infinity War is... A monumental achievement in cinema. It's it's incredible, and I'm I'm hoping and I believe in my heart of hearts that Endgame will pay all that off and pay off the last eleven years in a beautiful way. It will. I'm hopeful, confident,
0: and I think it'll be Marvel us.
1: <laughs> but before we talk about the end of this journey, let's yes. talk, let's go back to the beginning and to the Incredible Hulk.
0: I, I mean, I've always been you know this, but I've always been a huge fan of the Incredible Hulk, and. One thing that I really loved about this movie and what made it great from the very start is they right away pay homage to the TV show. When I was young, I remember, I, don't know, I guess my mom, somebody was watching the show. It was actually my parents or somebody that was watching the show. And I'm sure they thought, you know, since I was a kid and I liked superheroes and whatnot, I, I would love it. And I did. I fell in love with it. As we were saying, I i don't really remember. I was so young and I don't know if it was when it was first hearing or later, but I, I just remember him like, going through walls like crashing through walls that's pretty much all i remember where i really fell in love with the sort of television hulk was in the made for tv movies because i was a little bit older by then i kind of just understood it a little bit more and i would record those off the television uh so the first there was the return of the incredible hulk where uh he's kind of been without incident for a while and he's been trying to control uh the hulk and he gets you know obviously triggered and and hulk comes back and thor shows up Oh, right, right, right. Um, and I recorded that one and I watched it a ton of times to the yeah. point where my mom was like, watch something else, please. <laughs> She didn't there. know what she was talking about. The <laughs> Trial of Incredible Hulk. Then Trial of the Incredible Did that have Daredevil, Hulk? Daredevil in it? It had Daredevil. Yes. And he actually had a black suit, which at the time everybody was like, What's this? That's not what Daredevil looks like. And then sure enough, we get the black suit
1: from obviously Frank Miller, but the Daredevil Netflix yeah. show. And we, and we of course, loved it. And yeah. honestly, once he got a superhero costume, I was like, mm, Could you go back to that black <laughs> outfit? That was awesome. <laughs> and Kingpin the, was also in. Uh, holy trial shit, of Kingpin Incredible was Hulk. in yeah. that? Oh my God. Yeah. How did I miss that? Was Doctor Strange in the third one? The Death of? Of incredible hulk no not that i know of there oh. was a
0: character that was similar to black widow it was a russian spy did she have red hair she did not she had oh. black hair boo uh yasmin was her name bleeth no <laughs> <laughs> uh that was her character's name was yasmin and her last name was still not bleeth oh huh. yeah so those three movies i was super into more so the first two because uh, honestly death of the incredible hulk is pretty slow and sad and it's mainly a romance between him and yasmin but still pretty pretty fun all those movies i was so into when i was younger and i had them all i recorded them all off of tv trying to eliminate commercials and yeah, and, and I love the comic books. I absolutely love the comic books at that time and, and would draw Hulk. And I was creating characters that were basically the Hulk.
1: Yeah. you um, Did you create Crusher? Crusher was yeah. my Hulk. He was, Eventually, as I got older, I tried to like differentiate him a little bit. But, he was like uh, the Hulk, but like a big Italian Guido kind of dude, yeah, right? Like, yeah, And he sure. had a mom tattoo on his arm. He, was, he did. He was like Hulk Stallone.
0: Like just, yeah, just a bunch of different things yeah, put together. Yeah, because
1: he's like, hey, what do you want from me? <laughs> Crush or smash, okay, over here. Forget about it.
0: <laughs> But um, he grew
1: to like, it wasn't like the angrier he got, the bigger he got. No, 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 he no. He just like chose to get bigger? Well, it started off
0: much like the Hulk where he would kind of be triggered and he would turn big. And then I made it where he like could control it at will. He would only do that when it was time to go into battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, he was just wandering around as Sebastian Kramer and then and his name was Sebastian (laughs) on top of everything else uh, definitely not a cipher for myself my own aspirational uh, (laughs) but then I made it where he was just stuck big all the time he was
1: always 10 feet tall and I made him 10 feet tall so he was larger than the whole. right of course and, and we eventually incorporated him into a comic book we did where we we used each other's characters from when we were, like, 12-year-olds. Yes. So I got to draw a lot of Crusher. You got to draw Firewing, Firewing, which is, like, my take on Spider-Man slash Batman put together, where Firewing, his mother died at the Washington, D.C. <laughs> zoo. He was a Washington, D.C.-based superhero, and he was, like, a super dark vigilante, but kind of had the quippiness of Spider-Man. And he had, like, basically a copy of the black Spider-Man mask, but three like spiky lines at the bottom, so that was firing. He eventually from the, from the traveled. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the mind of children thing. He would eventually travel to the far-flung future, the year five thousand six hundred twenty-one, uh-huh. where uh, neo-Nazi vampires have taken over the world, and he would get irradiated by some chemicals, some just random chemicals on a moon base, and become cosmically powered. So at that point, he could actually spring wings made of fire. Because before that, the name Firewing was just a non sequitur. Hang in there, kid. One
0: day, you'll manifest Firewings. Yep,
1: yep. It was pretty convenient that the powers he got were to make (laughs) Firewings, right? Because he could have also gotten, like, Crusher powers and gotten big and strong. No, no, he got very specific powers. It's like the secret, ask, believe, receive. Yeah,
0: exactly. He put it out there in the universe, and the universe met him thousands of years later. <laughs> thousands <laughs> of years in the future so but yeah so what i was saying about the beginning of this movie is there's a lot of stuff that harkens back to that original tv series which was super fun i mean it, from the music to the actual like gamma ray that he sits in is very much it's not a gamma bomb like in the comics and it, the even the way that he sits
1: and the sort of like bullseye that's the, on the his like head, green laser yeah thing? like that's all is that the gamma back. rays because I didn't yep. watch the old show. So yeah. those are the Gamma Rays? That's yeah. kind of wimpy. I will no, say that. That's it's not. I, no, look, I don't want to like step on your toes. I don't want to step on your favorite uh, show. But I do remember thinking when we were watching this, A, I was like, oh, man, thank God that like Marvel Studios did the same thing with Spider-Man, had the good sense to kind of skip over the origin. We all know the Hulk is a guy who gets angry. He turns into a giant monster. It all has to do with gamma irradiation. Mm-hmm. We don't need to like see it all happen, because I feel like in the... The Eric Bana, the Ang Lee-directed yeah. uh, 2003 Hulk, it took forever for him to become the Hulk. Yeah. And it still takes a little while for Edward Norton to transform, and we don't even see the Hulk fully until, like, the, the halfway point of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I was really glad that they just passed over the origin. And I think like they uh, they did it in a really artful way. I love the way they did it. Because, I mean, A, they didn't do nanotechnology like in
0: the only Eric Bannerhook. Right. But there's a lot of little shots in the beginning where it's still just sort of credits getting you into the movie. Like it's just sort of ushering you into the movie. Mm-hmm. And they set up... Him doing the experiment on himself. They set up all the relationships and all the characters. Yeah, we with get no words. We with get no dialogue.
1: Yeah, we get uh, Betty Ross. We get Thunderbolt Ross, and we get Bruce himself. All yeah, all perfectly set up. What I was going to say, though, is I do miss the visceralness of it being a bomb, him protecting somebody from that bomb, Mm -hmm. and just something about that atomic era origin that Stanley was so great at, the fear of radiation and what that does to us. I thought that was really cool in the comic books, and just, again, so visceral that I miss that a little bit about a little green laser over his eye.
0: No, I get it. And I think, interestingly, because all of these movies really go more with the ultimate... Uh, universe versions of them and so you know obviously in the atomic age uh stan lee one he wasn't trying to replicate the super soldier serum they were doing a gamma bomb yeah and he just happened to step in the way right but in stupid old rick jones stupid rick jones kids right yeah so I understand that. Like, I do like the idea of the bomb. But as such a fan of the original show, I love seeing him sitting in that chair. And they're, in the original show, they do a great job. And maybe this is me carrying over some of that tension. But in the original show, they do a great job of building that tension of, like, the countdown for when the sort of gamma rays
1: are going to hit him. And is it going to work? And, you know, all this stuff. So Right. Yeah. I'll accept it because I yeah. think, yeah, just... Honestly, if we saw him uh, jump in front of a giant nuclear explosion and somehow he not only survives but becomes uh, this uber-powerful man, then that would be probably kind of silly. I think it would be a striking image. Like, I think of the... A great shot from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when it's what? after it's after the, the fridge is nuked, the worst part of the movie, but when he crawls out, the actual shot when he crawls out of the fridge and climbs up on the hill mm. and it's Indiana Jones silhouetted against a mushroom cloud, it's a powerful image. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg knows how to really punch you in the gut with his visuals sometimes, so I feel like that would have been a really cool image uh, if we ever got to see that with Bruce Banner and the Hulk. But again, I think it being a smaller scale experiment and and I love the way that they tie it into the Super Soldier Serum, which I totally like forgot that that was an aspect of it yeah. uh, until we just rewatched it. So that the was really cool. First
0: time, sorry, the very first time that I saw this movie, I was like, wait, what? Because I wasn't as familiar with the Ultimate Universe as I have had to be now. But I, I was just like, wait, what? Super Soldier Serum? What is he talking about? And I'm pretty sure the first time I saw the movie, I sort of glazed over that. I was like, what are they even, what are they talking about? You didn't know that immediately
1: from, from Captain America lore? I mean,
0: from Captain America, but not from like that Bruce was trying to do that. I guess I didn't.
1: I mean, honestly, when I saw it, I glossed over it until they obviously opened Dr. Erskine's tubes and started injecting Blonsky with it. I was like, uh, at that point I got real jazzed because the same way that you love the Incredible Hulk, I love Captain America. Yeah. He's, he and Spider-Man are probably my two favorite Marvel characters, and they have been done beautifully in this series. I re-watched uh, Captain America the First Avenger, yeah. a movie that left me pretty cold in the theater, and this is the first time I've watched it since then. Really? Uh, and I loved it. I, I did I, not realize that it, uh, I, I don't know what it was. I think it was just sort of, I think I was still skeptical of Chris Evans as the character. Yeah. He didn't quite embody cap just yet. hundred percent agree with all of that. Yeah. I was
0: just surprised because you are such a, now you're so gung ho about captain America. It, it, it's my brain is trying to process that yeah. you weren't blown away by the very
1: first. Yeah. Movie. I don't know. And like, I don't even know who I think could have been captain America. Maybe like if you put seventies era, Robert Redford on steroids, mm-hmm. maybe that would be the guy. Yeah. I don't know. But Chris Evans, again, has definitely come into that role. But yeah, that first movie was a little iffy. No, I agree. And I think even when, even in Avengers, he starts shouting
0: orders and stuff and he's starting to get there. But I feel like it wasn't even until a little after that, that he, re- I was like,
1: that dude is Captain America. It wasn't until Winter Soldier where I was like, holy shit, that's Steve Rogers, that's Captain America. And they also gave him that new uniform that made him look kind of more buff. Yeah. And uh, the first two uniforms... The, especially the Avengers one made him look very scrawny. Yeah. Uh, the very first uniform just kind of was loose and just didn't feel super heroic enough. Uh, but man, that was just a f- delight to rewatch. Cool. Like Thor, uh, re-watching that I felt a little tedious. Mm. Like it was fine. I couldn't look at Chris Hemsworth because they the like hair. did his hair weird and his eyebrows were super blonde and he didn't even look like himself but mm. otherwise he embodied the character nicely. But uh, yeah, go back and watch Captain America the First Avenger. It sets up a lot of stuff yeah no i and i've seen it more times since then that's why i was surprised you
0: haven't seen it since yeah your first viewing i've watched it a couple different times i really like it there's a lot of stuff i really like yeah. but i remember being in the theater and maybe also because people had kind of I had a couple people that had kind of pumped it up a little bit. Yeah. And I walked in and I wasn't completely on board with Chris Evans yet. Yeah. And, um, I remember thinking there was a lot of stuff in it that was cool, but that I wasn't like blown away
1: by it. Yeah, same. But I've watched it since then and I always enjoy it. Yeah, it's really fun. And speaking of wanting to be blown away by somebody, I was ready to be blown away by Edward Norton as Bruce Banner in The Hulk. I, I think that he's, again, I grew up with Bill Bixby
0: as my... David Banner. Um, But yeah, I was excited because I love Edward Norton as an actor. And especially around that time, you know, he was working a lot more often. So I I was really excited for it. He looks like Bruce Banner out of the comics. Like, he looks like he's He's, been yanked out of the comic books. He
1: looks like puny Banner. Yeah.
0: And I ended up thinking it
1: was fine. Like, I was not...
0: I was more excited going in than I was actually seeing it
1: I I agree I think when I remember when he got cast I was like wow I cannot believe they did it twice like because I always had a lot of faith in Robert Downey Jr obviously that faith was seen through a million times over and then I was like holy shit they perfectly got him that is the hulk Mm -hmm. i would have not i think had they cast mark ruffalo back then which is apparently what the director louis leterrier wanted to do was cast mark ruffalo but it was marvel (laughs) or universal it said the studio when i read this i don't know which studio uh insisted on edward norton Mm. so he ultimately went with edward norton and i i do wonder like would this movie be revered as a classic if it were ruffalo yeah if it would have had a bit more engaging and charming of a lead also, the script probably would have been completely different because Mark <laughs> Ruffalo wouldn't have been rewriting scenes on the day. But but yeah, on paper, like Edward Norton's kind of got all the qualities you want. He's small, but he is wiry and there is like a dangerousness about him. Mm-hmm. And he's believably very intelligent. And I feel like he handles the pain of being the Hulk very well, like mm-hmm. the the anguish of like the destruction he causes. But I never felt like he was angry. Yeah.
0: I, I think that there's just so much that Mark Ruffalo brings to it. He's I think he's... Amazing. He's certainly my favorite cinematic Hulk. Oh, yeah. Um, without without question. But he brings such nuance and such gravitas to it. Um, I don't really know exactly how to put it in words, but Edward Norton was sort of like one note the whole time. Yes. And I know he's trying to control his anger and he's kind of, you know, it's hard to juggle all of that, I guess. But what I love about um, Mark Ruffalo's depiction is that there is so much humanity to him. There's just so many levels and so many layers to,
1: to him yeah. playing. And I love Mark Ruffalo because there are those moments when you have flashes of anger from him. Yeah. Qu- quite a bit in the Avengers. I feel like that's probably where it's handled the best. But even in Thor Ragnarok, which I just rewatched and also was left the theater a little cold because I think the movie I had in my mind was built up way too big mm. and there was no way that the movie could actually live up to it. But rewatching it was a blast. I had a great time and I really loved... Uh, Mark Ruffalo and the Hulk in that because it's obviously a more comedic take, Mm -hmm. but even then, like, there's those flashes of, like, oh, this guy's got like real anger issues underneath everything, yeah, and he could at a moment's notice just like snap and then turn into this thing that's going to destroy us all,
0: yeah. I 100% agree. Like that moment in uh, the Avengers where he's talking talking to Black Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, yeah, when when he's talking to Black Widow and he pounds the table, yeah. I was scared. And you know, yeah, obviously, she's doing a lot of work there, too, of like, she's petrified. But like, the way that he does that, where he's, he's, and the way he kind of uses his body to be smaller and then when the anger comes out he does get big and explosive i buy it i completely buy that there's a very angry person under there that's trying to be good you know yeah
1: absolutely so uh but what we're talking about is edward norton and his take on it i think it really was the whole idea that bruce is trying to be very zen to control it i think that he took that as an actor and made that choice and really played that choice Throughout the entire thing So like you said We didn't really get levels Yeah It was like a one As you said One note performance And it wasn't a bad performance No not at all I think it ended up good Being a less than Charm He wasn't charming enough Uh, A less than inspiring leading man performance than you what you'd want for this kind of movie, because especially coming off of Iron Man one where Robert Downey Jr. is that movie and Mm. he's so bombastic and so much fun that you kind of want that similar feel to it or even uh, even Chris Evans, who even though he wasn't completely in that part yet. At least there was something you could hang on to. You could latch on to his his grit, his spirit, the I could do this all day. That's one of my favorite yeah. moments of all of these Marvel movies. It's it's the moment that distills Steve Rogers down into one into his core is the I could do this all day against the bully. We never got that moment from yeah. Uh, from Edward Norton, he was sort of
0: drifting through. And in terms, I think you mentioned this, but in terms of like the anger, but also the danger. You don't. There was times when I didn't feel like necessarily he was in danger, or that he felt he was in danger. Like, I love the moments in all the depictions of the Incredible Hulk, and this happens a lot in the TV show where he sees there's a problem, and he really, really, really does not want to get involved because he knows there's the chance that he's going to lose control. Yeah, and in this movie, An in Incredible Hulk, there's a moment where they're in the bottling plant, and uh, Banner is about to walk by as these guys are kind of harassing this female co-worker. And he comes back to get involved reluctantly, but he's like, I still got to do the right thing. And I really love that about that character, just, yeah.
1: you know, every time they do it. I loved how that moment was shot, too, where it looked the camera pans over as if he did keep going. Yeah. And then it sort of pan, it cuts back and he's back and then he and he's comes there. Back. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that moment. And I think that that sort of thing, like I think everything in Brazil just works. I feel like the Looks Brazil great. It looked amazing. The Brazil sequence is gangbusters. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, it's all about Bruce Banner trying to find a cure for his Hulk problem, and he's communicating with uh, somebody who is known as Mr. Blue, another scientist. They're going back and forth with options to uh, lower the irradiation, the gamma irradiation levels in Banner's blood. He's just trying to keep it cool. He's trying to learn techniques. He goes for a... Uh, he, Talks to like a Brazilian jiu jitsu guy, which apparently the guy who played that jiu jitsu teacher was the son of the guy who created Brazilian jiu jitsu. Whoa. I didn't know that. But the dude's got like amazing diaphragm and tummy skills because <laughs> yeah. like there's this shot of him flexing his abs in a very inhuman way. And it was so cool. And I wanted to hang out with that guy more because he was just <laughs> neat. Uh, but for the first maybe third of the movie, he's hiding out in Brazil, which is a perfect place to hide out. There's so many people, it's so densely populated. Like, it makes good sense. Yeah. He's working in a factory, helping out, trying to just keep his head low and keep zen and keep uh, from letting the monster out. And of course, you know, shit goes bananas and he gets caught. Trouble. He yeah. does. Not only in the, the factory itself with these ruffians trying to mess with the girl, but obviously Thunderbolt Ross, played by William Hurt, ends up finding him somehow. Oh yeah, through, yeah. Uh, through the bottle with the blood in it.
0: Yeah, which actually... That is something I think is really cool. All those things that you just described, I think are really cool ideas to explore in the mythos of the Hulk. Like the idea that he's trying everything that he can to get this under control. Like if he can't find a cure uh, through science, then he's going to try and do things like breathing techniques. And he's going to try and find places that are a bit more Zen and, and, you know, not get involved and, and monitor his heart rate, which cause in here, in this, apparently it's about his heart rate, not about, being angry necessarily, it's just about getting excited. But also the idea of how dangerous his blood is. I think when I first saw it, I thought it was kind of silly like that he'd runs down there for this one drop of blood. But I think that is something really cool to explore of how he's dangerous even when he's under control. Like, yeah. If he happens to nick himself and somebody gets that blood, like what will that do? And that's just a cool thing to think about. I mean, in terms of you know how is that grounded in reality? Like somebody that is living with something that is like some sort of disease that's passed through blood or whatever. Like that idea of having to constantly be aware of how you're moving through
1: the world. Yeah.
0: Um, I just think that's something interesting that I don't think we've ever seen before with the Hulk.
1: Yeah, and and I think the blood thing, so he's fixing a a terminal for the guy who owns the factory. He nicks his hand, and a drop of blood goes through the grating and gets into a bottle, which ends up at R.I.P., our dearly departed Stan Lee's house, uh, which is how Thunderbolt Ross eventually finds the factory and finds uh, Banner. But the fact that, yeah, he freaks out so much And has to run and go clean up the blood and everything. It's the first time that I realized that Bruce has a sickness. Yeah. Because we're so used to contextualizing this in a place of, like, he's a superhero. This is, like, a gift and not a curse. It really is, like, holy shit, yeah, his blood is, like, pumping with gamma radiation. He could hurt somebody. Like you said, it's, like, he's dangerous even when he's not the Hulk. He could hurt or kill somebody... Just from that one drop of blood, it's insane. Mm. I don't want to know what happened to that Stan Lee character. Uh, <laughs> and his one actual plot-specific cameo for a change. Sure, I think that's the yeah. only one where any part of the actual movie hinges on his appearance, which I love about this. Are you thinking through all of his cameos? I am. I mean,
0: in Inch of the Spider-Verse, I guess it's not strictly plot. He, he is the voice of, like, no, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right.
1: There are some Stanley cameos I haven't seen. I think he has one in Big Hero Six that I haven't seen. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think he's got a few other ones. I mean, uh, yeah, the other biggest part he has is in the Fantastic Four movies. He plays their postman. I forget the postman's name, but it was pretty cute. Stanley you could tell Stanley was super excited to <laughs> play that part. Uh, but yeah, this like I said, this is the only one where the plot actually hinges on him. But we're used to the Marvel lo- movies looking a certain way. Yeah. There's a certain sheen to them, a certain gloss to them, and that goes all the way back to Iron Man. Yeah. I think that that was a very glossy movie, looked beautiful. This one just looks gritty as hell yeah. from beginning to end. I, would, I love I the say, way it
0: looks. I mean, the first Hulk movie with with Ang Lee, like that, just in terms of color palette wise, is probably more in line with Marvel. He does all kinds of weird stuff with you know yeah, the way the he actually did panels, it, and, the shit. panels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, so I mean, it doesn't fit, but in terms of like color palette, and you're talking about it being gritty. This movie being gritty, like yeah, it
1: looks very different from anything else that's in the Marvel yeah. universe. I think I think you really hit it on the like yeah, not only the color palette, but the fact that it just looks. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but artificial. Like it looks like a, everything looks like a set. Mm. Everything looks like it was built for the purpose of this movie that we're in, uh, including Iron Man. Everything feels a little artificial, but this. I mean, he's in rio he's on these hills these shanty towns basically and it's all real locations and it just you can tell and it just feels so real and alive and gritty and it looks incredible yeah it looks amazing i love all that you've mentioned it but
0: i love all the stuff in brazil in the beginning and it makes sense for the character that you would want to go somewhere completely off the grid yeah he's not just going to utah or something exactly
1: Somewhere where he can get lost in the crowd, yeah, pretty much. And yeah, like I said, what a location. There's one shot during a chase scene where he's going through all these balconies, like cutting yeah. through balconies, and it's a faraway shot that pushes in on him running through. And it's a real dude in this real city. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, we, everybody who listens to the show knows my love for tactile stuff in movies because it's becoming increasingly rare. Yeah. Uh, but it just looked amazing. Uh, the director of this movie, Louis Leterrier, shot the hell out of Of it. I remember watching a behind the scenes thing uh, back when it came out about him saying that he really wanted to be kinetic. Like, he was like, I want every shot to move. Uh, That is not it. That is not his accent. He's French. (laughs) Side note, I actually got a chance to meet Louis Leterrier one time. I worked on the uh, forthcoming Netflix Dark Crystal show for a week. I was subbing for their uh, writer's assistant, and I had the fortune of working with some really great people, uh, one of which was Louis, who he was slated to, and I believe did end up directing all the episodes of it, and he was also sort of the shepherd of the show, Uh, but Louis was there. He did not spend all of his time in the room, but he was the final word on a lot of things and uh, because he would be the one actually realizing them on screen, but he was so cool, so enthusiastic. You can tell he just loves making shit, and he's a businessman, and he's a smart, shrewd guy in terms of the business and how that works, but I was just really impressed with his mind and how open he was to ideas that were not his own, and how he would also elevate ideas that they would the writers would give and that's not to say that the writers didn't contribute a lot because obviously that's where it all starts uh, but just the it was so much fun to watch the writers and Louis work together and collaborate on what I hope is going to be an amazing show whenever it eventually premieres I'm I so think, excited for it
0: it's been a while I mean I guess it yeah. takes a while to do all this I mean stuff.
1: I worked on it almost two years ago now I'm so excited to see it it had to have been a tough shoot because I know they were actually doing puppets yeah. and I mean I've heard the legends of Jim Henson shooting the original Dark Crystal and it would was a nightmare as you could imagine if you look at that movie that is such an impressive technical achievement the yeah. fact that these are all puppets uh incredible but anyhow louis is a really cool guy and i really appreciate a lot of other movies he's done he's had some misses too but i think the incredible hulk is a hit i think he did a really cool thing with it and even when he does when bruce eventually does get to the states it still looks gritty and real and like you feel like you're at Places and not like a back lot. Yeah, totally, which is nice. Even like the um, the fight and stuff that
0: happens at the Culver College or whatever. Culver I, University. Culver
1: University. Yeah,
0: that just the the big sort of buildings, and then when they fight in the the
1: meadow or whatever, like everything just feels real. Everything yeah. feels like you're really there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love that.
1: Uh, but one thing that unfortunately does not feel real in this movie is the Hulk himself.
0: You know, it's interesting. You said we don't get a real good look at the Hulk until mid- midway point, which is at Culver University. What I liked, because here's what's great when Hulk first starts showing up in the factory, I love that the eyes go green. You know, like actually, the way they set up the heart monitor was pretty cool too. Yeah. Like th- he's constantly trying to be aware of this heart monitor. And then you see that he's getting roughed up by these guys and thunderbolt ross including one of the guys from the x-files who's just on his team yeah. um are coming after him like everything's converging on him at once you see his heart rate meter going crazy, and then his eyes go green, which is another throwback to the yeah. to the show. And i I was in. I was like, "This is going to be awesome! I'm so right. excited!" And I love that you don't see him right away. Yeah, that too. the bad guy gets pulled into the shadows, and I, we don't it really made see him scary. Yeah, exactly. And he should be scary. Yeah, like that's we were talking about this watching it, but like that's what Avengers did right is they made Hulk freaking scary. Yeah, but yeah, so he just pulls him into the shadows, and you don't get a good look at the Hulk. You get a good look at the end of the scene, his face, like Blonsky shoots at him, Hulk turns around, he's still in shadows and he steps forward and his face
1: comes out of the shadows. And I remember at that moment going, oh, yeah, (laughs) I know people give the only Hulk a lot of shit and I know people talk shit a lot about how that Hulk looks. But I feel like that Hulk looks a hundred times better than the Hulk did in this movie. At least I bought him kind of. I know he looks a little bit too bright green yep. in that movie, but I really feel like it just was a better model or just better rendered or I don't know. I I wonder did they because everything was on location? It felt like on this movie maybe they cut back their VFX budget or something for the actual Hulk, which seems like a mistake.
0: Well, I I agree and disagree. We've, I think we've talked about the only Hulk before, and we both think it's better than people give it credit for. I do think that sort of body model is, is kind of more where I see the Hulk. Yeah. The face that they did with Eric Bennett. I I think that looked horrible, but the body model of the Hulk in, in Hulk, um, I think was really good. This one, it's not It's not really my thing. Like, I don't really love what they did with it. But I do appreciate what they were trying to do. Like, it's super veiny and sinewy. It looks like his muscles are trying to rip out of his skin. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a cool idea in terms of, like, this rage and this thing inside of him is not fun and sexy. Like, it's, like, almost tearing his skin apart. He's so uh, just rage filled you yeah. know and i think that's kind of a cool thing so i did read that they modeled the body in the incredible hulk after the work of dale keown or keown i'm not sure you say his name and i i remember reading the comic books that he did of the hulk which i thought were awesome and cool and then i also read that they modeled the hair after mike Diodato's uh, hulk And I can see that now that I, like, it's sort of the, not bushy, but like longer uh, black hair.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see both of those things. I always took his shape as this is what Edward Norton specifically would look like if he were grown and ballooned up into this Hulk thing. Uh Because Mark Ruffalo has a more classical male shape where it is, he's kind of beefy all around. Uh, Whereas Edward Norton's a little skinnier. He's got, uh, his shoulders are wider and his stomach is uh, very lean. So it felt like this is what Edward Norton puffed up would look like. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Hulk in Avengers, where they finally got the look perfectly right absolutely uh a good the combination of mannerisms everything everything just be- somewhere between uh what mark ruffalo would actually look like if he turned into the hulk and what jack kirby originally drew back in the 60s so yeah. the perfect balance of those two things but yeah it's unfortunate that the hulk doesn't look wonderful in this movie because i feel like if that effect would have worked a little bit better had that look been a little bit more refined had the visual effects been a little bit better i keep going back to it had mark ruffalo been in this had the hulk looked like he did in the avengers in this it might have been just gangbusters yeah
0: i think there were a few things that that kept it from being gangbusters as you said like that's definitely one like in terms of visual effects so i like when the transformation happens sort of off screen i feel i feel like actually yeah. the way that they handled in in the first avengers was was great and scary and dangerous, and I love seeing his clothes rip. And I actually like the transformation when he's when we do see the Hulk for the first time in all of his glory uh at Culver University, where the smoke engulfs him. Yeah, and we see like his hand hit the glass, and you know his shadow sort of or his yeah. silhouette starts to get bigger. I think that's really cool. Where it goes off the rails for me is when they show all of the transformation yeah. as they do in the third act of this movie, where he's strapped to a table and it's sort of American War
1: like he just starts like kind of like writhing and bubbling and bubbling and I hate that yeah I, I don't like hate that
0: when they show it yeah they I just like it a... as
1: his muscles just blo- like it's like a balloon filling up with water or with air. That's what I like about the Hulk. It was too grotesque when we finally saw the thing where he's on the table and we see it clearly. It I just was like, gross.
0: You, I just feel like you lose the magic when you actually watch it because you're trying. Your brain then starts to process, like, wait, how does this even work? Like his bones would be like, they're, like well, I you like hearing bones breaking, and I like the idea of it being painful. I Actually, really like yeah. that. I think that's great. He should go. Uh, I think he should feel pain as he's transforming, which is where a lot of his like screaming and stuff comes from. I think, but in any of the movies where they actually show it. I'm way less interested. I want to not see as much. You don't need to show as much for it to be as effective.
1: Yeah, or just a simple, clean version of The Avengers, where it's in one continuous shot. He just hulks out and and just and like, gets he's... bigger, looks kind of the same, and then punches the the giant alien in the face. That was the version that this show oh, have been. End. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think that's just the difference between... This The vision for this movie and mm-hmm. the vision for the Avengers, Joss Whedon, obviously a huge comic book fan. Not saying Louis Leterrier isn't, but I think he was going a more Cronenberg body horror version. That was probably a discussion that he and Edward Norton had, if yeah. I had to guess, saying that this should be grotesque, this should be gnarly as hell, yeah. and uh, maybe we don't like it because it, also the effects aren't great. Yeah. But uh, But I do think that it being a horrific thing is
0: interesting. Yeah, I totally that that's what I'm saying. I totally agree. And I think it should be painful. Anytime your skin and stuff is is ripping and tearing and everything's getting, you know, larger, like it should be really painful. But I, I think it does have a lot to do with A, yeah, it's just my personal preference where I don't like a light being shined on like the transformation itself. Yeah. But I think it also is about the VFX, because when Blonsky starts developing muscles, they, oh, they just like CGI airbrush muscles onto him yeah, and it yeah. looks ridiculous because Roth like he still has like his own body like he still yeah. has just this not muscular body and it looks like somebody just went up and airbrushed on him.
1: Yeah, let's let's back up a second because we haven't even talked about anything to do with Blonsky. He's the supervillain of the piece aside from Thunderbolt Ross being the his typically dogged self, going after the Hulk, trying to capture him so he can take him, experiment on him, and figure out how to make more Hulks, uh, which is a terrible idea. But uh, <laughs> Blonsky is the guy they bring in to capture Banner. He's the best of the best. He's a Russian-born but raised in London super uh, spy, like black ops soldier. He's like Killmonger from Black Panther, But imagine Killmonger as not a very fit, maybe like late 20s man, but imagine him as like a 47-year-old little British man with a very short neck and who's probably about a foot shorter than every other soldier in this movie. Yeah. I get it. Tim Roth plays a good bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. He was great. I think he's one of the few bright spots of the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie Mm. where he played, I don't know if he played Caesar, but... He played the bad ape. Mm-hmm. He was great in that, let's be honest. I So I see where the villain thing comes from, but my God, he is so little. The thing I do like about him is, whereas he doesn't have the physical stature of all the rest of the soldiers, you can tell that he's smart. You can kind of see mm-hmm. through his actions how he became the super soldier, not literal super soldier like Captain America, but a very high-ranking soldier that he is. Uh, he's always looking for a different path, a better vantage point. Mm-hmm. I think he fights smarter, not harder. Which is cool and I think that helps the character work a little bit better. He has no remorse they sh- he shoots a dog. Oh yeah, he shoots a couple of dogs yeah I mean they're, with tran- they're tranks. they're but- tranquilizer darts but yeah. still. We get it. He's an (laughs) asshole. But after he witnesses the Hulk and sees the destruction that the Hulk can cause, he's like, I want a taste. I want a piece of that guy. I want to fight that guy again, and I want to beat him. So that's his mission throughout the movie, and that eventually leads Thunderbolt Ross to unearthing the Captain America serum uh, administered by Dr. Erskine in the Captain America The First Avenger. At this point in the timeline of these movies, we haven't seen Captain America yet, so we don't know what this is. We don't know the potential of the serum. Yeah, uh, obviously That's
0: what I mean. Is when I first saw it, I was like, I don't, I don't know what. Yeah, I'm
1: doing. the serum, in, <laughs> in tandem with Vita Rays, provided by Howard Stark and Doctor Erskine, can take a very tiny man such as Tim Roth and turn him into six foot two, perfect human specimen Chris Evans.
0: Can I point one thing out real quick? Yeah, it of has course. To, it has to do with all that. I what I do like is that Blonsky is like.
1: Yeah, the super soldier
0: program or whatever. And Thunderbolt Ross like looks at him and he's like, "Yeah, that's a simple that's a one way to simplify it or whatever." Like he doesn't really love the term super soldier. Then yeah. he's like, "There's a
1: lot more to it than that, buddy." Right. I don't know, I
0: just thought that was kind of a cool little
1: touch yeah that was nice i really like william hurt in this and we'll talk about him a little bit more i'm sure uh but eventually blonsky gets the super soldier serum which again they just have in cold storage just hanging out and we actually see in civil war later on and down the Marvel line uh that there are other super soldiers in russia where they stole some more of the formula from howard stark and Tony's mom so he eventually gets the super soldier serum injected into his bones and his muscles yeah. and as you said we later see him after the effects and unlike Chris Evans who was had his head CG'd onto a tiny man's body they just take a tiny man and CG some muscles on him and it looks awful it does not look good it looks absurd that being said uh, despite that fact the first time we're, we're now the Hulk is in Culver University he's trying to find the data Uh, from his experiment that turned him into the Hulk so he can give it to Mr. Blue to find a cure. When they catch up with him, Blonsky gets to fight the Hulk with the super soldier serum. And I remember being in the theaters being so stoked because it was the first time we got that effect where it's like he's running crazy fast, like way faster than the rest of his soldiers. He can jump around and has great reflexes. And I was like, hell yeah, that's tiny ass British... Tim Roth doing all this stuff, 47-year-old dude. I can't wait to see Captain America do this shit. Yeah. And I would eventually get that. Obviously, the culmination of that type of moment is in Infinity War towards the end, the Battle of Wakanda, when everyone right. starts charging. And yeah. ugh, my favorite moment when Captain America and Black Panther just in lockstep running ahead of everybody, the first ones to hit the fray. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love that shit so much. God damn Damn it, it's so good. I'm serious, man. Like, obviously I love Captain America. I love Black Panther, but fuck yeah. I would like I was Lindsay and I rewatched it the other day and I cheered in my seat and she was like, Jesus, John, you've seen this movie like seven times. I'm like, I don't even care. That shit's awesome,
0: man. It's true though, that that moment when they, they just take out in front of everybody. Hell like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's
1: right. Super Yeah. Like it, it is a pretty powerful I, moment i just get jazzed i just get so jazzed and i was that jazzed in the theater i was like fuck yeah i can't wait to see captain america do that shit man but blonsky eventually uh, obviously can't beat the hulk because he's five foot nothing a hundred nothing and the Hulk he's kicks rudy. him one good time yeah <laughs> he's he's rudy and he gets kicked one time and it breaks all of his bones which i honestly thought was awesome I, yes. I like
0: kind of that whole sequence where hulk breaks out of that glass bridge yeah. or whatever
1: and his glass case of emotion could yes. you say
0: yes yes so Dave, And then just starts tearing shit up. Like, I actually really enjoy that whole sequence. And they bring the sonic cannons on him and so Oh, stuff. I like, love a good sonic cannon. All that stuff was super fun and him just causing carnage. But yeah, when Blonsky walks up to him and he's like, that all you got, that all you got?
1: And Hulk just boots him into <laughs> yep. a tree. Into a tree. And it looks gnarly. I thought he was dead the first time I saw it. I'm like, <laughs> he well, he's fucking dead. dead. That whole scene's really fun. It reminded me of the scene in... On Lee's Hulk, where he takes on the military, the tanks in the desert, which is the only scene that that's the only sequence that redeems that whole film is that scene is so much fun. It's so awesome. It's kind of slow and plotting in that movie, oddly enough, on a movie that otherwise has a very brisk pace to a lot of the scenes. It's also the only scene that I remember that shot kind of normally shot and edited fairly You know, logically. (laughs) Um, But uh, but I love... Yeah, anytime Hulk goes up against the military, it's just fun to watch him smash it. He protects Betty. Oh, God, we haven't even talked about Betty yet. Betty Ross, aka Betty. Breath. 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 We have Whisper Talker herself, Liv Tyler, (laughs) playing a very not forceful role. So let me just ask you this. I asked you when we were watching it, which is... uh, (laughs) Who is your favorite Betty Ross? Because there wasn't one in the show, except for what the pilot. Uh, yeah, and the pilot,
0: I believe he, David Banner, is working on the experiment with her. Okay, and then I think that's the only time we see
1: her. I don't think she's in the series. Because you got to go on the run, you can't. Yeah, you can't do long distance. You got to start hitchhiking, throwing a backpack over you, and walking down dun, the street dun, to dun, sad dun, music. Dun, 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 dun. Which I love the moment in this when the sad Hulk music comes up. Yeah. I uh, that gets me every time. I love that. Uh, do too. I do, too. Uh, but who's my favorite? Yeah, between, I guess, pilot Bet- Betty Ross in the show, Whoa. Jennifer Connelly from Ang Hulk, or Liv Tyler from this.
0: Oh, boy. Um, I'm not super passionate about any of them, really. I had a big crush on Jennifer Connelly when uh, uh, the days of Rocketeer. Um, oh, God, yeah. So I'm already leaning in that direction. I, I think also she's a she is a good actress and and I, I I will go I'll go with Jennifer Connelly.
1: Yeah, she probably had the most to do. Actually, yeah. she seemed a little bit more in the story. I yeah. guess. Uh, live in this one doesn't even show up for like almost an hour into the movie. We see her yeah, photo see her a couple photo. times.
0: We see her in the very first like intro thing. But yeah, she doesn't talk or anything.
1: Which is probably good because when she does, like I said, she just whisper talks. Her first line is breath. And she's supposed to be yelling, she's I yelling, think. yelling,
0: yeah. She, in the, like, outside in the... I don't know if it's raining, but I think so.
1: I think it is. It, the weather in this movie is very odd. And, and also, the, Yeah, the night-to-day transitions are very questionable. Yeah. Uh, like, when, in Brazil, when they first catch up to Bruce, it's night. The whole city is quiet. He's supposed to be asleep. Everyone's supposed to be asleep. And they break into his house, and he goes on the run. And then it's daytime, and kids are playing soccer, and everyone's out and about, and it's bustling. Yeah. And then he gets to the plant, and it's night again. It's yeah. very confusing.
0: Uh, Brazil is crazy.
1: Uh, yeah, Just tell me about it. Just uh,
0: ask the Twilight guys. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ask Edward
1: Cullen. He knows a whole lot about Rio de Janeiro. So Liv Tyler is not given a whole lot to do in this movie. Yeah. She's She's around, and she does add a little levity here and there. Buys him some purple pants. Yeah. And a great, hilarious gag. Some giant purple pants. And they're like, why wouldn't I wear these? And it's because it's a comic book reference, you dipshit. Uh, but she is, I mean, she helps Bruce along in, in getting where it needs to go to getting to Stern's. But I do feel like other, than, other than her giving the, him the data, giving him the jump drive that's got the data from their experiment that turned him into the Hulk... I honestly don't see why she's there.
0: There's a lot of her, and I guess it's that sort of damsel thing, or just the fact that she doesn't have a lot to do. Like there's a lot of her pleading with people not to do things, pleading oh, with yeah. Thunderbolt Ross, pleading with uh, Sam Stearns, pleading with, yeah,
1: you know, don't everyone. do this, don't yeah. do it. I, I didn't feel a whole lot of connection between her and Ross, the Thunderbolt Ross. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I mean, I guess I felt she... a lot of connection with his eyebrows. <laughs> Well, should we just talk about him for a minute? Sure. We'll we'll, we'll come back to... What's her damn name? Betty. Betty. I always want to call her Betsy, obviously. Betsy Ross.
0: She did a great job with the flag.
1: Yeah, she did. Uh, I also want to call her Liv, because she's not really playing a character, per se. So, yeah, William Hurt, great actor, mm-hmm. playing Thunderbolt Ross, and uh, I guess I'll ask you this. I'll pose you this question. Sure. Thunderbolt Ross, uh, Sam Elliott version, or William Hurt version?
0: Mm, I like both guys, um, for sure. And... Boy, nobody wears a mustache like Sam Elliott. Oh, hell no. I mean, he just fell right into the role of Gender gender th- gender of gender Thunderbolt <laughs> Ross. It's 2019.
1: He identifies as Thunderbolt. Uh,
0: uh, his preferred pronoun is uh, mustache. Uh, but yeah, and I don't know if this was the direction or if they were just focusing so much on the anger in Hulk, but he was, as all I remember is he was yelling all the time. So what I like about William Hurt is that there is... Again, there's like layers to him. He's not just yelling the whole time. He's not just angry the whole time. And again, I think this is not about, this is not against Sam Elliott. I think that's what they were going for, was that he was the mirror image of, of Banner slash Hulk and being, you know, super angry all the time. But yeah, I think I'll have to go with William Hurt. Um, just because there's levels and it's interesting yeah. to
1: watch. I think I'd have to agree with you. If I were to pick an actor to play a role, and I was given the choice between Sam Elliott and William Hurt, I will pick Sam Elliott 10 times out of 10. I love Mahershala Ali, I was, but I was really rooting for Sam Elliott to win the Oscar for A uh, Star is Born. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see A Star is Born? I didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there's one shot in the movie, anybody who's seen the movie will know, where Sam Elliott cries And I won't get into it too deeply because you haven't seen it. And I think you should. It's a really good movie. But man, when Sam Elliott cries, that's not something you've seen a lot. So when he cries, the world cries. And he was really, he brought a lot to what was kind of a small part and could have been An unremarkable part that I think he really turned into something special. Uh, He's a very special presence. He's a great actor Mm -hmm. and brings a lot to everything he's in, even though he plays slight variations on himself every time, including Thunderbolt Ross Mm -hmm. in the Hulk movie. But he's just great. William Hurt, however, i felt like was given a lot more to do given a lot more range in this movie he had to play care for his daughter he had to play uh the overt villainy and then his regret when that blows up in his face and blonsky eventually turns into this giant uh anti-hulk basically aka the abomination but what we really want to talk about are his uh hair choices here i think his hair piece was kind of wacky because um, yeah. I believe William Hurt's kind of has like thinning hair on top. He yeah. doesn't have a ton of hair. Also, they made his for like eye-
0: 30 years, I think he's had. To, uh-
1: yeah, he's been pretty bald for a while. Uh, still a very good looking man. Obviously, they give him the big bushy white mustache, which yeah. is Thunderbolt Ross's main signature look. You need it. And then big ass bushy eyebrows. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't get the deal with the eyebrows. I mean, I guess in the comics, maybe they look big. But in real life, I don't think you need to go that direction. Yeah. Now, that pizza guy. The oh pizza man! Pizza parlor owner or the no, Stanley it wasn't a pizza parlor? It was just yeah, a, it was a pizza parlor. Okay, his eyebrows were incredible. And yeah, I loved them because they were authentic.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is where uh, Bruce and Betty eventually uh, join up uh, for the first time in the movie at Stanley's Pizza. Obviously, a tip of the hat to Mister Stanley himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't have a Jack Kirby pizza also. But uh the man Stanley, I don't think you could find a more stereotypical pizza owner character in any movie. Like have you seen Muppets Take Manhattan?
0: It's been a long time. Do you remember
1: Pete from Muppets Take Manhattan? Nah. It's like this guy, all right, Pete Pete had an accent. Pete was I actually don't know where Pete was from exactly, but maybe like kind of like an just a European accent, like a maybe kind of Italian um, yeah, I don't know. Pete's daughter was like totally American in that movie. But anyway, he's like Pete on steroids. Like if you gamma irradiated Pete, <laughs> he would be Stanley. Okay. And uh and I loved just how like over the top stereotypical it was. It's like an old white man with a big old mustache and gigantic bushy eyebrows and uh kind of just big, like almost Einsteinish hair, yeah. but a little bit bald on top, and he's wearing like a white button-up shirt with a red vest. And, like, if you would have just given him, like, an Italian accent, like, oh, what do, uh, mama mia, what am I gonna do? It would have been just the perfect, like, a parody version of what a pizza shop owner would be. Well, that's probably why this movie didn't do better, is they didn't take that extra mile. And given, had they given him an accent, I think he would have done it. I bet the guy who played Stanley could have done it, too. He was like... What if... Mm We found out in this Hulk movie yes. that Bruce Banner comes around. What if it just like took a real left turn mm-hmm. at the point where he comes to Stanley's Pizza, and then he, and then we cut and start going like privilege scene with Stanley himself, mm-hmm. and he goes home and he gets angry or he gets less angry and turns into Pete from Muppets Take Manhattan, and it's like a crossover Marvel universe with the Muppetverse. and it's just like and he's like peoples is peoples, and he and then
0: his nephews visit, and they're Mario and Luigi. Oh, shit, bro. He's like, he's like, my nephews are coming over to fix my plumbing. Yeah,
1: he's Stanley Mario. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's whatever their dad is. And it's Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, yeah. obviously. Yeah, uh, And John Leguizamo we trust. But I love the subplot with Stanley being Pete from Muppet Stan, Pete mm-hmm. Mario. Mm-hmm. So he's Stanley Mario Stanley as Mario. well, but he's the incredible Stanley Pete Mario, this incredible Stanley, because mm-hmm. that's the Hulk version, right? Where he yeah. just gets even like crazier and bigger, um, and it's just him like hanging out with his with Mario and Luigi and they're plumbing and yeah. making pizza together, and then Jay and Silent Bob show up. Now that's a movie. <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob uh, hit the Marvel universe, and uh, do they get gamma irradiated too? They get their bong gets
0: gamma irradiated oh, or bro. they smoke gamma radiation. Well,
1: I guess they would become blood man and chronic at that point. Uh, yeah. Obviously Origin that's the story. That's where it all comes together. Yeah. Pete gets some of his blood on their bong as they're all smoking out. Yeah. His irradiated blood. Gross. Irradiates the entire thing. They take a hit from that bong. Boom. Blood man chronic. It all ties together. And then their next thing, you know it, They're in Forks, Washington mm-hmm. watching a Forks, bunch of yep. Yep. watching a bunch of werewolves and mm-hmm. vampires fight It's crazy. It's a crazy world we're living in. You're welcome, Hollywood. Yeah. We solved it. Just uh, make the check out to cash if you don't (laughs) mind. Uh, So let's get back on track here. Oh, sure. (laughs) So we got Thunderbolt Ross. I think William Hurt does a lot with the role. Obviously, he's the only thread that truly continues from this film specifically through the rest of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Because he's appeared again in Civil War he appeared in Infinity War for like one scene. So I'm really glad that they kept this movie alive in some way. Yeah. Liv Tyler not so lucky. She didn't really have a lot to contribute to the universe. Did I think that she and Mark Ruffalo would probably pair up a little bit better though. Do they they never address her right? Like they never really address her much at that point. No. Anyway, but, he's on
0: he's moved on. He's he's with Black Widow
1: now. Yeah, he's with Black Widow and for reasons that yeah. are yet unexplained. I mean, who wouldn't be into Black Widow? But and who wouldn't be into Mark Ruffalo? I mean, yeah, I, mean, I get it. From from that perspective, hell yeah. yeah. But also, would either of them really want to commit to a relationship with the other? I'm sure Bruce gets lonely. Sure. But he's not going to be like, let's get it on, because as we found out in this movie, in a pretty charming scene, if he gets too excited, he might change into the Hulk. But see, that's his secret. He's always horny. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a, a scene once uh, Bruce and... Uh, live whatever her name is, Betty. They get into a hotel room together. Mm-hmm. Uh, she cuts his hair, and uh, yeah, they start making out, getting hot and heavy, and and he has to pump the brakes because his little beeping wristwatch is <laughs> starts, saying. Not what I thought you were gonna say. No, 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 no. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, this is a clean show for the family. Yeah, his uh, his heart monitor starts saying, "Oh, you're getting a little bit close there. Better not get too excited." So he's got to pump the brakes and say. No lady, not today, Satan. Instead, (laughs) let's uh, just sit around and be kind of dull together. But I feel like uh, another thing is, uh, <laughs> I think I pointed out at some point, because they eventually get to Tim Blake Nelson, Buster Scruggs himself, yeah. uh, as uh, Dr. Samuel Stearns, who's Mr. Blue, who's been trying to help uh, Bruce this entire time, trying to cure him of his Hulk problem. His affliction. His affliction. And like Tim Blake Nelson is a tiny dude. Edward Norton is a tiny dude. Tim Roth is a tiny dude. What's with all the tiny dudes in this movie? It's crazy.
0: I don't know. I don't get it. Because, like, Edward Norton is still taller than Blonsky and Sam Stearns. But, like, you don't need him to be. So I don't know why they thought it was important to... Or maybe it was just pure coincidence, man. Maybe it just happened to work
1: out that way. What do you think about... Louis Leterrier is a very tall dude. So maybe he likes tiny dudes to be around him so he can feel even bigger. That's my theory. Maybe he's so tall, everybody... Below him just looks the same size. Yeah. So he doesn't even register. And I'm not saying... He's not like nine feet tall. Oh. (laughs) He's like probably six foot three or four.
0: Well, that's
1: pretty tall. Pretty tall. pretty, Pretty tall, bro. But there's a shot specifically of... Ross and Blonsky, Tim Roth, Mm -hmm. coming down the hall, and Tim Roth is like barely reaching his shoulder. Like he is is pretty tall. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like Thunderbolt Ross looks like an imposing presence, and you really feel that on the screen. Yeah, and just Blonsky is a tiny dude. He looks like a child next to him.
0: Yeah, no, that's no joke. Like he really is almost half his size. I I don't totally understand why they decided to go that route especially because he's supposed to be a badass soldier from the jump yeah it's not like Bruce Banner where it's like oh it's this nerdy little scrawny guy and he becomes a huge person like Abomination was always kind of a big gap yeah and an interesting choice
1: I think I read that the studio also did not what Tim Roth but uh, Louis Leterrier put his foot down and said no I'd like him please uh, Sacre bleu because he's French And, uh, you know, I think that Tim Roth did a lot with it. I think that Tim Roth, when you get him in close-up and he sang lines menacingly, he is menacing. He is a frightening guy. I feel like I could see he was doing a lot with his own inner rage and his own basically desire, his thirst for power that he feels he's lost because he admits to being past his prime at this point. And I like that. What's that? It's 39. (laughs) Yeah, but a 39 that looks like he's... Fifty, But he's admitting to having lost a step in his uh, ability to be this badass soldier, despite the fact that he's had so much more experience and knows so much. And so his thirst for power eventually leads him to getting injected by the super soldier serum and eventually leads him to, once they've captured the Hulk and extracted him, making Samuel Stearns put some of Bruce's radiated blood in him and try to replicate what turned him into the Hulk. Because Blonsky just has a taste for that power and wants that power, which I think... Tim Roth did a really great job with that. I agree. I think he's great. After
0: if, anything, he's great in the movie.
1: But. Yeah. If he were six or seven inches taller and, you know, had an extra 50 pounds of muscle on him, I think he would have been absolutely perfect for this part. Or had you, what you said, where it's more of a Captain America thing, where once he does the super soldier serum, instead of just some weird CGI muscles added to him, all of a sudden he was as tall as Chris Evans. Yeah. That would have been Those were one weird. Thing. Those were weird choices because, yeah, they distinctly make him look small yeah
0: like and they take his shirt off like if you hadn't taken his shirt off you could have padded out whatever he
1: was wearing it's just interesting choices that were made yeah Uh. yeah exactly and i mean there was one shot where they they made a big deal about injecting some of the serum into his bones and he's got several injection points in the movie Mm -hmm. Uh, after he gets smashed by the hulk in the middle point he's in traction and then within a day or two he's back out of it and uh Back on his feet again, and everyone's amazed. And that's when General Ross is like, All right, let's give you some more of that serum. Let's see what more we can do. And Blonsky is, of course, ready for round three. So I feel like all of that is a, a cool arc for him, and he's still alive. He's still out there somewhere. I'm- very curious if maybe he even ends up in in sh- game somewhere, mm. uh, just because it feels like that's going to be the true culmination of everything put that together. Cool. That would be cool. That would be super cool. I'd love to see Abomination with visual effects of today's standards. Yeah, like the visual effects of Infinity War, but applied to Abomination. He might look super awesome. Yeah, it's just that the visual effects weren't up to the task.
0: Yeah, they weren't quite there yet. Yeah, all those years ago. What do you think about Sam Stern's? As the leader, like as this act, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but as the leader,
1: oh, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was a fun character, but I'm so used to him being like a dopey character in Coen Brother movies mm-hmm. that I don't think I could see him as a supervillain of the piece. I'm used to the leader from like the Hulk cartoon show when he's like, "Yeah, the Hulk, I'm the leader," like that kind of thing. So it was very. It would have been a very different take. Yeah, my
0: my thoughts exactly like i thought he was fun to watch like i thought he was just fun but yeah that's not what i had in my mind for like the leader who's gonna be so deadly intelligent yeah
1: yeah he would have never know i guess i yeah i guess so you'd think you'd need somebody bigger to play that part but i guess it is all about his brain so he doesn't have to be a bigger presence but i think i feel like the leader was like modeled after clark gable or somebody i remember he had a really sweet mustache back in the day yes uh plus obviously the gigantic noggin and he was also bright green like the hulk yeah and wore a cape well there were
0: i mean there are different
1: versions of the leader
0: but like are you talking about the leader where he had the tall head or where he had the brain
1: head the kind of the brain head with like veins and it like looked like it would be pulsating yeah i would have been interested to see tim blake nelson in that part i don't think he would have been right i think most of the decisions in this movie worked the ones that didn't are mostly casting mm-hmm. with the exception of william hurt who i think did a great job and let me just say that this shows the here's why it's great i really honestly think everybody did a good job in what they were doing i just don't think it was looking ahead at the future i
0: agree i think everybody did a nice job but i think in what you're talking about and correct me if i'm wrong is like there's a sometimes a certain alchemy to casting yeah and like with everything working together and there's just something magical about it and something that's like really engages you and is interesting Whereas this one was like yeah everybody did a good job yeah
1: case in point iron man i would have never pegged robert downey jr and gwyneth paltrow as being one of my favorite on-screen couples ever, I would never have thought, yeah, Jeff Bridges, that sounds like a great bad guy. (laughs) And those all worked really well. it's just
0: like your opinion, man.
1: (laughs) But the one piece of that alchemy that didn't really work for me from the beginning was Terrence Howard, who, who I'll admit I'm not a huge fan of, but they got rid of him and replaced him with Don Cheadle, who I'm a huge fan of. And so the alchemy of those Iron Man movie casts just fit. It just clicked. Like, I never bought him and Terrence Howard as best friends. But soon as John Cheadle walked in on there, I was like, those dudes are bros. Like, I get that. So it is totally an alchemy. And we've gotten extremely lucky with the majority of the decisions in the MCU. Yeah, because you really never know. I mean,
0: you really don't until it starts to happen, you know, to see if it works or not. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely. With the exception of, let's say, Terrence Howard and Edward Norton, who are the only two people so far who have been replaced, who would you say, is there anybody in the MCU that you think is like a misstep of casting? Hmm. Nobody comes
0: to mind, which I guess is a good thing. You know, there's nobody that's glaring to me. Why is there somebody that you have in mind?
1: You know, I, when I asked the question, I was like, I don't have anybody, but oh. I guess I do have a slight qualm with Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch. Oh, okay. I think she doesn't really exactly look the part or sound the part or portray the fractured, fucked up psyche of Scarlet Witch that I always, I guess, wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll get more of it when the Vision and Scarlet Witch show comes up. Yeah, Uh, because it'll give him more chance to give her some screen time and to see more than her just doing wavy shit with her hands. But yeah, I feel like she's probably the weakest link, one of the weakest links of an otherwise extremely strong chain. Because yeah, they've like the Guardians of the Galaxy casting is pitch perfect. Uh, The Thor casting, I had no idea who Tom Hiddleston was prior to Thor. And he's 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 such a standout, even from that first movie. He's one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah. So. Scarlet Witch probably is my only one. I don't know if you can think of anybody else.
0: No, I'm I'm here trying to go through each of the movies and figure it out. I think this Incredible Hulk was probably the the one that was casting wise least exciting to me. But yeah, but again, but again, I thought it would be great with Edward Norton and stuff. You yeah, know, exactly. Said, you never. Know. Yeah, the yeah.
1: You never know. I think that maybe just material didn't suit him. And the, and again, they had all these articles about him rewriting the movie on the day and always changing the dialogue and he didn't get a screenplay credit but he claims a screenplay credit a lot of times zach penn uh who went on to co-story the avengers and do a lot of other i believe he worked on some of the x-men movies uh such as x3 maybe i'm wrong there but anyhow he's done a a ton of comic book movies he got the screenplay credit but edward norton claims he did it but the thing i noticed of this movie there's not a ton of dialogue Mm -hmm. especially not for bruce yeah. Like, there's a handful of scenes where he's got a, a little bit of meat, but well, most of it's what... just silent of him walking around and doing things quietly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that a lot of stuff was cut. I know it was super long. There was a lot of footage that was had to be left on the cutting room floor. So maybe that's where some of his dialogue was. Uh, that must have been. And also, like, it sounds cool to, like, be rewriting on the day of and, like, oh, we're really capturing something special. but. It that doesn't always necessarily translate to something's better. Like you can rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and, re- and it doesn't necessarily mean it's getting better. So Yeah, I don't know.
1: As we've learned while we wrote pilots <laughs> together for a while, it was the uh, it was a challenge and not it didn't always work out for the best. Speaking of stuff on the cutting room floor, Michael Kenneth Williams aka Omar from The Wire yeah, shows up it, for like, literally one shot. I wonder if he did have a bigger
0: part or he had a line or something or if he's just that much of a fan of The Incredible Hulk where he was like, no, nah, I could just stand there and be a, an extra. Basically.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Apparently they shot it in Canada so somebody had to like get him a visa and fly him out so it, they bizarre. must have had something for him because he's way too good of an actor
0: yeah.
1: to not utilize. Yeah, But he's credited as as Harlem Bystander. That's so weird. So odd. So odd. But I guess we're at that point. We're at the the finale of the movie. Yeah. Uh, Blonsky again got infused with Bruce Banner blood, which uh, Stearns, we think that he's totally altruistic in all of his helping of Bruce, but then we find out he's replicated the blood and he's trying to use uh, he he wants to to make the world a better place, but I think really Stearns wants. Uh, glory himself Mm. i think he wants scientific achievement with his name on it look at what he did for humanity using banner's blood banner's obviously not super uh happy about that and eventually gets taken away and it's a plot thread that never got picked back up again because he never made a sequel but he eventually injects blonsky with the blood and does something else and then turns him into this giant hulking monster that goes on a rampage an abomination an abomination as as sterns himself says (laughs) but i was going to say that this movie is kind of slow and dare i say a little boring at parts Mm -hmm. for a lot of it and then just hits fucking fast forward for the ending
0: yeah the ending is yeah pedal to the metal like and it's just a big fight but it's just a, a ton of destruction it's almost like Oh hey, we need a big boss battle at the end of this movie, even though we were making an art movie before. It's just a little yeah. tone shift at the end. But yeah, it goes goes full speed ahead. Um I enjoyed it. Like I, I like watching monsters fight each other. I think the fight went on for a little bit long. Yeah. Um, but some of my favorite stuff in the movie is in the end of the fight. So here's why it's great. I actually love and loved the first time i saw it absolutely because i wasn't expecting it but when hulk does his clap oh yeah the thunder the classic hulk thunderclap which i I love i was completely not expecting it, and he does it just to put out fire but still seeing him do it i was like oh my gosh that's awesome straight from the comic books and then also there's a spot where hulk is kind of down for the count and abomination is going toward betty and thunderbolt ross and he's going to kill them and he is, I think, swinging some stuff above his head. And he's going to kill them, and he's like, "Any last words?" And Hulk, for the first time, speaks. I mean, I guess he spoke a little bit earlier, but Hulk says the magic words of Hulk Smash, and I was just like, that was another moment where I was like, "Yeah, yeah." That's that's your version of Captain America running ahead with yeah, Black Panther. Totally. totally, he brings his massive fists down on the ground. Hulk Smash, and it, it was just such a cool moment, and then. One thing that I also really love, the final thing I'll say, is there's a moment where he gets those chains and wraps them around Abomination's neck, and he's choking him, and he's screaming, and I feel like that's pure Hulk rage, and that's definitely something that was missing from Hulk, the yeah. Lee version, and it did just look like scary you know i mean it wasn't again i don't think they fully got to the scariness of hulk until avengers but it was something that felt primal i think is a
1: better yeah that's a good way of putting it so that was something that i really enjoyed i enjoyed that too yeah i think the fight was big and bombastic and there were some cool moments i i'm just gonna throw out a blanket statement saying that the visual effects again aren't really up to what we're used to now seeing from marvel films so so the fight looks a little muddy Mm -hmm. at times Uh, but I do like some of the stuff that happens. I like it when he uh, smashes a police car in half and uses the different ends of the police car as, like, boxing gloves. I really thought that was fun. I thought it was a little over the top when they come running at each other from other opposite ends and end up punching each other right next to the Apollo. That's a trailer moment, I think. Definitely, definitely. Uh, It was a little uh, on the nose for me, but still, you know, cool enough. Uh, There was a couple of times where Blonsky and Hulk are, like, Throwing each other through buildings and things—it's pretty, it's pretty cool. But I do agree with you that that it isn't until the end that we get the real primalness of the Hulk. Because I was gonna say I feel the whole time that the Hulk is not urgent enough, which is what the Avengers Hulk started and they've kept up with. Where, like I said, he's like a, a coiled spring, yeah. and he's always sort of like just very, like, frantic movements and very fast and uh, just uh, on edge all the time. Whereas in the, for instance, in the factory, Hulk just moves a little too slow and yeah. he's measured. Controlled. Yeah, yeah, measured is a good word for he, it. Like, he looks up at Blonsky and Blonsky shoots him in the face and he's like, Meh, and walks away. And uh, I just felt like, mm, that's not the rage monster yeah. that we should be seeing. Yeah. And it goes along with Edward Norton's portrayal of the character where banner is a lot more zen this hulk is a little bit too zen yeah there's it's- only
0: one other moment in the movie that i feel like kind of captured some of the primalness of the hulk and that's when he's protecting betty in the cliffs yes and the lightning and thunder go off and he like starts screaming at it i thought that was great because it shows that like yeah he's just this sort of very base person he's a beast he's a beast it doesn't understand what's going on but that is in conflict
1: with all of the measured steps that he takes the rest of the time. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, there's a little bit of that, the measuredness in the fight at the Culver university, uh, particularly where Blonsky, he lets Blonsky get right up next to him and just stares down for like a couple of seconds before kicking him. Yeah. And it was a good dramatic moment in terms of how the, Uh, how the payoff happened when he kicked him. That was fun. But I do feel like it was a little bit measured. And I still feel like this fight just wasn't fast and frantic and dirty enough. Mm. That's probably my biggest takeaway from that. But, like you said, it gets to a really cool place at the end. It does drag on for a long time. Eventually, he uses the thunderclap. He is about to take Blonsky out totally, but spares his life. Who knows how they got Blonsky into a cage or (laughs) how they've been hanging on to him since then or... Did they, I don't know, lethally inject him or something like that? Because you know he murdered a lot of people in Harlem. Harlem got pretty trashed. I hope my friends Rob and Blake, who live in Harlem, are okay. They've lived there for 10 years because rent control. And I hope they're all right. But this also happened like 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Yeah, they
0: got there just afterward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prices were probably really low because of all the destruction. Yeah,
1: yeah. Everything, the, the whole neighborhood had to be rebuilt except for their one building. So, hey. You get that property, guys. But, yeah, that final moment is uh, pretty cool. And then he runs off into the sky. He doesn't at that point yet become the Hulk where he's a team player and he's ready to yeah. join the Avengers just yet. Still a, still a lone wolf on the run from the military yet again. And
0: it, actually it was a nice moment where he's standing there looking at Betty and the choppers show up
1: above him and shine yeah. their lights. And he's like, oh, sorry, I've bro. Gotta run again. Gotta go. And I actually thought when the light was shining on him was probably some of the best shots of the Hulk himself, weirdly. I thought that, like, the really stark light on it... I it's not fully rendered. It's not a full... Yeah. Still obscured by the light. Exactly. Kind of made him look a little bit more realistic. But, uh, yeah, that model never got up to speed. But, you know, it was a pretty satisfying conclusion to the movie. It was that early Marvel Days thing that they did where it's just, like, a bigger version of our hero fighting. (laughs) But whatevs.
0: But it was fun. And, yeah, I love a good... Uh smash-down-drag-out fight? Uh, Knock-down-drag-out fight? Knock-down-drag-out fight. But
1: you wanted to get smash in there because it's yeah, the Hulk. Cause it makes sense. Hulk. Hulk smash.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I thought, it, I thought that was cool. And then at the very end of the movie he's David Banner. He, like he gets a thing that says David Banner. On yeah. It which was a nice nod to the original series.
1: Yeah. Cause he's uh, hiding out. So right. I he's hiding that. out again. He's now in uh, British Columbia, Canada. He, uh, at one point, uh, uh, Liv, what's her fucking name? Betty, <laughs> Betty Ross has to pawn her necklace, which is, I guess her mother's necklace. To get them around, and I was like, girl, you're only going to get, like, $100 out of that. This I, it, guy knows pawn shops. I do. My whole family it. is a, a bunch of pawn shops. And I sucked at being a pawn shop guy. I was terrible at it. Like, my mom, I worked there for, like, a year at, between college and finally moving out to L.A., and my mom was nice enough to keep me employed. But not only was I late, like, every single day, but, man, I was just, like, terrible at it. I never knew what anything was worth. Like, I had you to You were at- the chumlee. I was what? The chumlee. Chun Li from Street Fighter. No, Chun Li from Pawn Stars. Oh, I don't know Pawn Stars. <laughs> I'm so disconnected from it. I don't even watch the one show that <laughs> features a pawn shop. But man, I was. But I could tell you. That being said, as bad as I was at it, mm-hmm. I bet you'd you'd measure that gold that on her necklace and be like, uh, it's like less than an ounce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it had some diamonds on them, but you can't repurpose those diamonds. They're not mm. that big. Mm. We don't know what the clarity was on those things, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and it's kind of an old-fashioned piece, so I don't think you're just going to sell it for scrap. Mm. She's going to get like 100 maybe 120 bucks for it. Mm. It's not going to get them very far. You get some to Manhattan. They're somehow able to buy a truck and gas and food and a ferry to Manhattan. So... She did way better than you would expect.
0: She's a good negotiator.
1: She is. She is. That's her secret skill. We didn't actually get to see it, but uh, I'm sure Edward Norton wrote a very long scene of <laughs> Betty talking this guy up, like, "Oh, could you, pl- could you please give me seven thousand dollars?" Why are and you he- yelling at me? <laughs> Wait, is Sylvester Stallone the Punisher Poncho- <laughs> guy? Like,
0: hey. Why are you yelling at me, Liv?
1: Oh, man. I, well,
0: you want to sell it, or you want to, you want to sell it, or you want to it?
1: That's really good. <laughs> I really like your your Sylvester Stallone impression. Uh, we didn't get to my Lou Ferrigno impression, which I definitely gave Sebastian during the, our viewing, because yep. <laughs> Lou gets to show up uh, during a quick scene. Uh, he also played the, a similar character in the Ang Lee Hulk, where he and Stan Lee were That's both security right. guards. That's right. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to put him as? It's either yeah. that or a bouncer. Yeah. Dude's jacked yeah. as he's hell. huge,
0: and he's like 6'5 or something. Yeah, now that guy's big. Yeah. Because
1: I think even in the movie, Edward Norton's like trying to trick him and he stands. And there's the moment of Edward Norton being like, oh, this yeah. guy's big. Yeah. Even though he is the Hulk and he'd be fine if he got into a fight. But and it's yeah. his Marty McFly biff
0: moment. Yes, right. exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but I did a great impression of Lou Ferrigno, which I'll spare you guys because it's pretty offensive. You know, it was pretty accurate. It was accurate. but I
0: love Lou Ferrigno, and I'm so glad that he was in it. And it was, you know, it's always a fun cameo to see. Loof Rigno. There's actually a Bill Bixby cameo as well. Yeah, yeah. We watching early in the movie, he's watching um, television, and Bill Bixby's
1: show. I think
0: his Father Knows Best. I, I can't remember, but uh, is playing on the TV. So yeah, you can see Bill. As yeah, well.
1: I thought that was fun. I didn't recognize him at first. And I was like, wait a minute, they're, yeah. they're lingering on this 1970s actor way too <laughs> long. Must, that had to have been David Banner himself. But yes, our friend Bruce got a got god damn it live's name there's every betty betty every time we do a movie i just there's one character whose name will not stick in my brain uh grueler was the guy from buffy now i can remember it the oh. guy who was from uh dazed and confused oh. i could not remember that for the life of me when i was watching it and when we were recording now i can conjure up grueler in two weeks when we do our next one i'll be like yeah betty ross betty ross it's just it is my gift it is my curse
0: what was the name we were using when we couldn't remember that?
1: Oh, you mean the great character from Twilight? Yeah, Tom. Tom. What about the other character from Twilight, Tom? Oh, Tom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Tom. Yeah. You know Tom. And, oh, there's also Tom from Twilight. Right, right, right. They were all good. Mm-hmm. Bella's dad, Tom. Now, now that's good casting. That's alchemy. Right yeah. There. That whole series was just uh, perfection. Well, all the Toms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, when you have a lot of characters with the same name as you did in Twilight with Tom and Tom and Tom, yeah, you really have to have great casting to to yeah. separate them all. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about that, definitely go back and listen to our Twilight Saga, which we did all five movies. Anybody who listens to this probably knows we did it, but go back and listen there. A real treat, and you'll get to know exactly all the different Toms and what the hell we're talking <laughs> about. But yeah, Lou Ferrigno, back to that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great cameo. Wonderful. I think he'll. He should always, until he's sadly gone one day, uh, should always be part of the Hulk Absolutely. universe. Because if I'm not mistaken, he also did the voice of the Hulk in this.
0: Yeah, I think it was a mix of him and something else.
1: Yeah, and him. like a bear growling or some bullshit, <laughs> uh, like a shark coughing. Uh, who knows what? Coughing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but we end our movie with our friend Bruce Banner. Uh, he's given bet. Tea, her necklace back and he's back he to meditating put
0: it, he just put it in a little envelope that bothered me
1: that, that's true he didn't like put any kind of postage on that thing or he didn't put
0: any postage he didn't wrap it in anything like yeah. even in something like tissue paper or something yeah. he just threw the necklace into a little standard
1: envelope i know if that thing gets ripped like it's gonna be lost forever yeah like at least put it in like a padded usps envelope well i guess CS. P.S. Wait, no. C.P.S. Canadian Postal Service. Canadian. Uh, yeah, he needs to be a little bit more careful with that because it could yeah. get lost very easily.
0: Well, he didn't seal it or put a stamp on it. So maybe he's coming back to it. He's like, yeah. you know what? I need to go find some tissue paper. Yeah. But first. sequel.
1: Yeah, the Incredible Hulk 2, The Search for Tissue Paper, <laughs> The Rise of the Padded Envelope. But he uh, gets back to his Zen mode that we've seen him before. He's mm-hmm. meditating. He's om ing Yeah. And he sits down. It says Days Without Incident, 40-something. And then all of a sudden, he opens his eyes. And they're bright green. And it goes down to Days Without Incident, which has been a runner through the entire movie, in case mm-hmm. we didn't mention. And I don't think we did. I don't think we did. Uh, it goes down to zero. Uh, I will say this. I know it was a... a uh, and he smiles. And he smiles, because now he's gotten control of the beast yeah. somehow. We don't know how. I guess he's always angry. That's his secret. One thing that I will say that you probably enjoyed as a fan of the TV show I'm not a huge fan of is the glowing green eyes when he's the Hulk. You monster. (laughs) I like it from the Avengers where he's got whatever Mark Ruffalo's eyes are. Beautiful brown eyes, maybe. Beautiful brown eyes. Um, Beautiful mud brown eyes. Yeah. I think that works a little bit better for me. It kind of just makes Hulk look. Less like a weirdo. Because I feel like the eyes are an important part of it. And him having Mark Ruffalo's eyes helps me connect the actor to the monster. I see. And whereas uh, this looked nothing like Edward Norton, the Hulk. Yeah.
0: like He had the same scar on his uh,
1: cheek. That's it. But besides that, he, like, facially didn't look anything like Edward Norton. Because Edward Norton has such a naturally slim face that when he has this wide jaw, it looks nothing like him.
0: He had uh, pretty nicely uh, manicured eyebrows.
1: Okay. Well, he's got that. But so, even when Betty gave him a haircut, his hair, the Hulk's hair just always was that floppy Mike Diodato hair. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer.
0: Yeah. Why even bother cutting his hair?
1: Yeah. You know? Come on. Oh, before we forget, I think it was the mid credit scene in the theatrical, but when we just watched it on DVD, it was just tacked on to right at the end, is uh, our post credit sequence, our famous Marvel post credit sequence. And I think the reason a lot of people want to go see this movie of uh, Thunderbolt Ross hanging out in a bar, and who walks in? Tony Stark. Hell yeah, Iron Man himself, baby. Yeah. And he just says, we're putting together a team. They have a little... A little te- banter. A little banter, a little tete-a-tete. You and- got
0: a lot of nice suits, or whatever it
1: yeah, is. Yeah, touche. Haha, <laughs> get it? Because he was just an Iron Man a couple months ago. Yeah. In an Iron Man suit, guys. Yeah, get it? Because uh, as we'll remember, obviously, this came mere months after Iron Man hit the theaters, and... Iron Man huge smash hit nobody really expected it to be as big as it was and so they put the scene with Tony which they probably just shot as a way to just bridge the movies together to make them feel more like they existed in the same universe and since Iron Man was such a big hit they put him in all the trailers and I remember I have only seen the audience turn on a movie (laughs) one other time that fast where they realized Tony Stark was in a m- less than a minute of this thing yeah. like people were like oh that's it <laughs> but like what do you expect
0: yeah and I'm sure they did that just to capitalize on A to capitalize on the success of Iron Man but B to start their Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah and it's just absolutely. like one little way to link it all together
1: yeah and a story point that doesn't exactly make sense as we I think mentioned earlier yeah, we right. mentioned that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, these, these recordings go on long enough I, I have no memory of what the beginning of them were I just know we talked about Many things. Let's start over at the beginning. Okay, that's the very best place to start. So his eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so he uh, yeah gets shot with a green laser in his face. Uh, but no, the, uh, the post-credit sequence is just like a fun tag, but it is one of the least consequential of the entire series.
0: And I totally understand people being upset. I mean, if he's in the trailer, you're going to think he has a bigger part than you basically, by watching the trailer, watched the entire scene at the end.
1: So. More or less, yeah. And whereas the Nick Fury post-credit sequence was a fucking game changer and when i rewatched iron man for the first time in probably five or six years not only was i delighted because it's a very fun movie it's not perfect it's not the masterpiece people make it out to be Mo- you most <laughs> months i know i know but that post-credit sequence which i remember being in the theater and having zero idea what was coming yeah and i was like holy shit because in la we tend to just I don't think uh, this happens everywhere. We tend to just sit through the credits anyway. I tend to do that at every movie. Show some respect. Exactly. You know, for the gaffers and the music makers and the dreamer of the dreams. But yeah, when when Nick Fury shows up and it's like, wait a minute, they actually got Samuel L. Jackson to play the ultimate Nick Fury? Like, what the fuck? And for those
0: that don't know... The Ultimate Nick Fury looks exactly like Samuel Jackson in the comic yeah. books.
1: Yeah, I had to explain that to Lindsay. I was like, you know, Nick Fury in the main comic books is a white dude played by David Hasselhoff in the <laughs> 1998, right. yeah. I think, TNT TV movie. Uh, and he actually looked like exactly like David Hasselhoff for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, with white on the side of his hair, much like Mr. Fantastic or Doctor Strange. And in the, in the early 2000s, when they rebooted the Marvel Universe as the Ultimates, uh, they changed Nick Fury to look exactly like Samuel L. Jackson. Brian Hitch, the artist, modeled him after Sam Jackson. And it was so crazy that they actually got him to do it. I mean, whatever. Samuel L. Jackson literally does any movie (laughs) they put in front of him. So I guess it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. But it was just like, had they... There's no snakes. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, But it's like if this new The Boys show that's coming out, Uh like, had they gotten... Uh, Simon, Simon Pegg Pig. to play Wee Huey. That would have been like a fucking baller move, but Simon Pegg's a little old for the part now. Yeah, it was just his dad. Could he maybe? So anyway, that post-credit scene was just a game changer. It literally changed the way Hollywood operates now, and like the impact of that post-credit scene cannot be overstated. And then you go to the Hulk, and it's just like a ah, fun little wink and a nod. Yeah, and it was disappointing to a lot of people. I knew in my heart of hearts, that it was just going to be the post-credit sequence. Mm. Uh, so it didn't bother me at the time. I just thought the movie itself was pretty fun. So yeah, I wasn't upset by it. But yeah, that crowd turned quick. <laughs> Luckily, it was already over. So oh, so overall, what did you think about this movie? Did you think it was great? Oh, I think so. I think I've always had a really soft spot in my heart for this movie. Uh, I Not only is it right at the beginning of that magical time of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where they were still figuring stuff out and maybe the casting wasn't all perfect, but man, it was just like an adventurous spirit with it. I love the way this movie looks. Louis Leterrier and his DP shot the shit out of this movie. I love the kinetic energy. It just moves. It's got a fast pace. It can get a little dull because there are long stretches where it's just Bruce by himself and he has no one to talk to because he's in Portugal or Guatemala, (laughs) depending on what scene you're on. But But Brazil or Guatemala. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Not Portugal. They speak Portuguese. Yes, Brazil or Guatemala. Man, I mean, but it just looks beautiful. It's a really cool-looking movie. It's very different from the style of the Marvel movies, and it was our first time watching the Hulk be unleashed and watching him fight somebody of similar power And it was like a smaller version of when Superman fights Zod and Man of Steel, Mm -hmm. which obviously a lot of people have problems with that. And I do, too, with the destruction of that, because I feel like Superman would take him out to space and fight him. Mm -hmm. But it was cool in a similar way to be like, wow, look at these two Titans tussle. Yeah, totally. So I love that. I do think uh, even though it didn't work out in the end, I love Edward Norton as a part. I love Thunderbolt Ross. I love uh, William Hurt in that part. A lot of uh, Tim Roth's performance was great. Uh, the only part that like kind of didn't work for me was honestly Liv Tyler mm-hmm. as uh, Betty Ross. who's just not that strong of an actress mm. uh, to carry that part. But uh, what did you think? I should be asking you. Uh, I loved a lot about it. What did you think as like the Hulk fan? What did you think as a Hulk story? How did it resonate with you?
0: I really enjoyed it. And I think part of it for me is I love seeing anything Hulk you know so even if it's going to be a less than stellar or a less than perfect I'll say movie and I felt the same way with Man of Steel like it's just fun for me to see go because Hulk and Superman are my two favorite characters and it's just fun to see them on screen it brings me back to being a kid and gets me excited you know like did I agree with everything that was done in Man of of Steel no but it was still really fun to see Superman again and it's same thing in the in this Hulk and I, I might even like this better than Man of Steel, actually. But, like, I enjoy this movie. And I remember seeing it in the movie theater and being like, you know what? I just love seeing the whole tear stuff up, you know? And I just love seeing Banner be upset by the monster within and trying to control it. I just love that setup. That Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde setup is something that I really enjoy. And I think this movie is really entertaining and really fun. Like, the special effects, even at the time, I think, fell a little bit short. And certainly with... The decade or whatever that's passed, we have way better special effects now, and we have a way better, in my opinion, depiction of the Hulk and Banner in Avengers and all the subsequent subsequent movies, but seeing this movie i could watch this movie anytime it comes on television like anytime it comes yeah, same on here I watch, i'm like oh did they get to the the culver university fight yet you know and if not i'll definitely sit down and watch it and if they did then maybe i'll still watch it anyway it's just as you said it moves along very quickly and there are a couple points that maybe are a little bit slower but it's a very quick moving movie and i do find it enjoyable to watch i know a lot of people crap on it, and it's kind of the the child no one talks about but I still really enjoy it. I I do obviously wish that everything that they've done with Banner and the Hulk since then could have been employed in this movie because yeah, totally. it does it does feel out of place with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Both for the fact that the main character is different and also just tonally it's so different. You know, I I do wish that some of the current Marvel Magic could have been sprinkled on this older film. But if I look at it especially if I look at it separately from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it's a fun movie. I don't necessarily love everything about it, but I think that overall, it's pretty great.
1: Yeah. Is it essential? No. But is it great? Yes. Yeah. But here's my question. What did you folks think of it? Was The Incredible Hulk smashing, or do you think it was an abomination? Let us know. How can you let us know? Sebastian, tell them.
0: You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HWIG Podcast. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash HWIG Podcast. And is there anything I missed? You can email us. You can email us at hwigpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, you can, brother. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Go leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts where we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Just make sure it's a five-star review and not a one-star like that one jerk-off. Yeah, because that'll make us angry. Yeah. And you wouldn't like us when we're angry. You wouldn't like us when we're hungry either. Or when we're horny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was funny to me. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, that's it for this time, but we can't wait to take what you hate and tell you why it's great next time. Until then, I'm John Bring, and I'm Sebastian Kalichik. And here's why it's great!